Welcome to episode five of Eye on Horror. I'm your host, James J. Edwards, and with me as always is your other host, Jacob Davison. How are you doing, Jacob? Doing good. Happy to be here yet again. And uh, also with me as always is our other other host from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Jonathan Korea. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Glad to be in the city that Rocky's from. The steps are actually not too far from me, so I'll be going by there a little bit later. I hope you're going to be running up them. I don't run. And then scream, Adrian! Adrian! Seriously, how many people do you think run up those steps a day and think that they're the first to do it? <laughs> I think every everybody does. That's And that's one of the things. When I go to places, I don't like to go to touristy spots, as our listeners know with me going to fucking Waco. So. <laughs> yeah. It's not on any tourist destination list. <laughs> Real maverick move there, John. But it, but it, it made for good podcasting, though. Uh, let's uh, let's get into some news. Lots of lots of cool stuff happening. We are recording this on May the fourth, so may the fourth be with both of you. Um, so if something happens in the week before this posts, we're not ignoring it. It hasn't happened yet. But the big news right now is that Blumhouse and Hulu have teamed up to bring an anthology series. Uh, I think it's called Into the Dark. Is what I believe it's going to be called, and it's going to be. Uh, hitting hulu in october yeah and i'm excited i'm always down for more uh anthology uh tv shows lord knows that we need more especially since we don't have any more tales from the crypt right now <laughs> sad but true and the interesting thing uh from what i've heard is that it's going to be a monthly series so it's not like uh weekly episodes it's like they do it's kind of like a mini movie every month that's interesting because is that going to uh, – the the thing with that, is that is that going to keep people coming each month or is that too much time between each episode and people will forget, especially in this time of streaming where everything's readily available almost immediately? Like Jacob said, it's going to be basically a movie. It's kind of like a Blumhouse's movie of the month. You're not really going to miss anything. The one thing that scares me about it is I'm, I'm hoping that Blumhouse doesn't just dump the scripts that they don't deem worthy of theatrical release – to this, and I, I, I don't want to get basically a monthly shitty movie, is right. what I'm saying. But you also have to think Blumhouse has a pretty good vault. This is going to give them an opportunity to produce more stuff that they probably wouldn't if they were going to throw it into theaters. So right. they, they kind of have the golden touch right now. So hopefully it's going to be a good thing. We'll see in October. I mean, I, we can't expect them to have like monthly get outs. Um, there's got to be an occasional happy death day or truth or dare in there. But at least what I'm hoping for is a uh, something along the lines of Masters of Horror. I'm a huge fan of that show. Mm -hmm. And there were some like... There were some duds. Of course, there's always duds with some stuff, but they did some like really cool and interesting stuff with it because they treated it like they were making an hour-long movie for each episode. So if they can at least capture that spirit of it, I think we'll get some pretty good stuff out of it. I mean, Masters of Horror gave us Cigarette Burns and Imprint, and both of those are two of my just flat-out favorite horror films. Cigarette Burns was amazing, and Imprint is one of the few horror films to actually make me... Uh, have a physical reaction. I actually almost puked because of that movie. So yeah, I love that uh, Mike's uh, movie was uh, it was like basically pulled because it was too intense even for Showtime. <laughs> yeah, too yeah. too intense for Showtime. Yeah, too intense for paid premium cable. That's that's <laughs> so Mike. It's not even like of course of course you would make a movie that was too fucked up for that even that the the channels that show porn and 
you know, massive violence. Too intense for the channel that brought us Dexter. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> In further television news, um, let's let's go with the sad one first. The Tremors television show is no more. Oh. It has been canceled before it has even hit the ground, which sucks for fans yeah. of Tremors because we had Kevin Bacon coming back. Yeah. Right. So how could it lose? But as someone who's not a fan of Tremors, like I saw the first one as a teenager, is it really that sad? I mean, we just got a fifth <laughs> Tremors movie. Six. And they've already had a Tremors, or six, oh my apologies <laughs> uh, to Tremors fans out there. Uh, we just had a sixth Tremors movie and we've already had a TV show. So I don't know, is is there enough Tremors out there? I mean... I, I was actually looking forward to it. I've been a big fan of the entire series uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, yeah, I've seen all of them and uh, yeah, I mean, we got, I mean, we did get that TV show in like the early 2000s but I mean this is be Kevin Bacon returning uh, to the franchise so I was really interested in seeing what they were going to do um, and you know I at least want to see the pilot and you know just see what they were going for uh, somebody even suggested you know like they uh, maybe that could be the seventh Tremors movie right. you know like uh, you know like it was they don't do it as much nowadays but you know like uh, they, they'd turn pilots into feature like movies or TV movies so you know maybe it's still on the table because all we got so far is just a few pictures of uh, Kevin Bacon and the cowboy duds again but I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd just be interested in seeing it if they already made it. I think it might have been our pal John Squires who uh, suggested a feature edit on oh, Twitter. Oh, right, right. Because I think I saw the same tweet you did. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. I think it'll probably depend on um, how much they have in the can. TV show's done. Let's just streamline this and do an hour and a half. Because, really, do you need any more than an hour and a half of a Tremors movie? You know, no one wants to see a two and a half hour Tremors <laughs> uh, Unless it was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> I would watch the fuck out of that. I would. Starring Daniel Day-Lewis as the Grabazoid. <laughs> Graboid. Graboid. See, again, oh, I'm sorry, Trevor fans. I'm going to get so much backlash from <laughs> all seven of them. Moving on to uh, more TV news, and this one I am thrilled about. There's going to be a What We Do in the Shadows television series on yes. FX. Yes. And that is going to be brilliant if it's even half as good as the movie I'm in with both feet. Yeah, and it's going to be on FX, and they've had a pretty good track record for these types of adaptations. I'm pretty excited. Oh, I'm super excited. I mean, everything that that director has done has been pretty great. A huge fan of Thor, a huge fan of you know, uh, of everything that they've made. And the movie is one of my favorites from, uh, what was it, 2015 it came out? Uh, 14. Uh, 14 or 15? Yeah, 14, it's, 15. It, it was around there. It's just, it that movie's so quotable. and Yeah, just... <laughs> yeah and the great thing about it is that it... Uh, uh, really subverted genre by applying kind of more sitcom elements to it and this show is going to be a, a sitcom about vampires living together and that's great i'm picturing it like the real world on mtv <laughs> but with which which is basically what the movie was almost yeah. you know they they were people sitting down and one of my favorite parts of the movie is when uh one of the guys is sitting down with peter the old nosferatu like one and he's yep. talking about about how when peter changed into a vampire and he goes and we've been best friends ever since <laughs> and the look on peter's face he just has that grin that he has kind of through the whole movie <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> with the, yeah, the whole Nosferatu thing, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, he's man. the he's the two thousand year old one. You know, the other guys yeah. are like six hundred years old. 
Right. And I'm pretty interested because uh, I think this uh, this one may be set in America. Yep. Ah. I'll be interested in seeing how American vampires live as opposed to the New Zealand vampires that we saw in the movie. Are they going to be the same vampires or are they going to introduce new characters? I think it's going to be new characters. Uh, I could be mistaken, but from what I remember, it, it seemed like it was going to be a new set of characters. The other great news, uh, something that I'm super stoked about is uh, Guillermo del Toro. Toro's adaptations of the scary to- stories to tell in the dark yes, uh, received yes. funding. So for those who possibly may not know what scary tales to tell in the dark, they were a collection of these like campfire stories that had the greatest illustrations. Like the stories, yes. even when they weren't that good, the illustrations made them terrifying. And they were just, <laughs> I still have my uh, trilogy, my original copy of the trilogy uh, to this day. But even more exciting is not only is Del Toro uh, producing it, it's being directed from uh, by uh, I'm going to mess up his last name, Andre, or or of Riddell. Sorry, I'm terrible with names, but mm. uh, the director of Troll Hunter and Autopsy of Jane Doe. So okay. I'm really excited to see what they do with that movie. I don't know if the illustrations are going to take a huge play in it. Like if it's animated, that would be cool to see those animated or just have uh you know just callbacks to it with imagery and whatnot but either way a newly produced movie by del toro is always exciting and have they said if it's going to be an anthology or if it's just going to be a couple stories or several stories uh you know what i'm not entirely uh too sure about that there's very little that has been released about it Mm. like what it's actually going to be about uh now it's casting uh but now that they have funding principal photography should be coming along uh, at any time, you know, I right. believe it's uh, well from our website. The current plot is very vague, but it says that you know it follows a group of young teens who must solve the mysteries uh, surrounding sudden and macabre deaths in their small town. So it sounds like it may have uh, like a full narrative thing, kind of. But maybe they'll do something like uh, what they did with the Goosebumps film and just have it, you know, all the various stories and imagery. Uh, have a huge play in the narrative, which I honestly didn't hate the Goosebumps movie. I thought it oh, was, yeah. I, thought it was I a lot thought of fun. It was great. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. The Werewolf of Fever Swamp in a yeah. supermarket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, and who could forget good old Slappy. Slappy. Ah, Slappy. Who looks suspiciously like Jack Black. <laughs> and the, Yeah, and the sequel for Goosebumps is coming soon, too. Yes. October, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Uh, which is also funny because Jack Black is doing another uh, young adult uh, kind of horror movie with uh, John Villar's The House with a Clock in His Walls, directed uh, mm. by, of all people, Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Here's what. Here's my theory. A lot of people hated Eli Roth's Death Wish mm-hmm. because it was decidedly not Eli Rothian. You know, it. it I mean, it, it had a couple of moments of Eli Roth-ish stuff, but I think he was bridging the gap between Green Inferno and the house with a clock on his wall. See, I think it, it, he, it's a stepping stone to, quote, legitimate cinema for him. You know, he, he's, I think he wants to do the Robert Rodriguez thing. Mm. You, you mean he's going to actually try to make a good movie? Sorry. Sorry. Ah. Oh. I'm not, I, listen, I like the guy. I think he says a lot of really good stuff. He's very knowledgeable. Uh, I love hearing him talk. I still think the best thing he made was the fake trailer for Thanks Killing and House. <laughs> but everything else, like, his movies for me at least I get excited about them like Green Inferno I was really pumped about that and I was just so bored out of my mind in the beginning of that movie that I shut it off because 
I just couldn't stand those people. And um, that always had, tends to happen with his movies is that like there's a lot that I like, but there's always like right when I start really getting into it and really liking it, he does something like what was it? Uh, Cabin Fever, the the nunchuck kid with the with the boner. Was it that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, I or the or the kids who like murdered someone because they gave him a fuck ton of gum. Wait, what? Like uh, Hostel, Hostel, the first one. They, oh like, yeah, kids gum, yeah. and they basically like well, they're the bubblegum gang. Yeah, just it, it it was just one of those things where it's you lost me. <laughs> I just keep having those moments. It's like, all right, you lost me. I'm, I'm out. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Do we have any other news? Yes. It's a little fringe horror sounding, but the new Venom trailer finally came out. Yes. Okay. And uh, wow. Uh, so we finally get our first view of Venom. Not fully in action, but we see him. And he's cool looking. Um, his eyes aren't as big as in the comics. You know, he's not entirely looking like Venom Venom, but I think the design's pretty cool. Um, I didn't even hate the design in Spider-Man 3, but I kind of like this one a bit more. Mm. Um, it still kind of looks like a like a superhero movie that was made in like 06 or something. Uh, not Spider-Man 2, of course. But um, <laughs> I can't be the only one who thinks that they mispronounce symbiote, right? It's it's symbiote, not symbiote, symbiote, right? Um, I believe it's the regional dialect of wherever that character went to science school. I, I'm not falling apart. In my science <laughs> school. How do you know. get into I mean, science I always school? heard it as symbiote. There's symbiote. Damn it! Now I'm getting confused. <laughs> I don't I'm know. Sorry, either way, it's school. Either way, it's I alien had you, space. I had you going monster. until I said science school. <laughs> sorry, we're losing. Okay, Jacob. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it it does look interesting, and they do seem to be adapting for more when Venom was a solo character, uh, right? Because a lot of people forget, like back in the '90s, Venom was huge. Like I, I think for a time he was even more popular than Spider Man. Yep. And since then, he's had his own comics where he had like his own core and stuff. Like yeah. there was multiple symbiote. Like they were a team anti-hero type deal. Exactly. Well, that's the thing, though. This is going to be Venom, but without Spider-Man, supposedly. So, be interesting to see how that kind of ends up, or like how they write that out. Yeah. Just hoping for not another Ghost Rider. That's all I want. <laughs> though Spirit of Vengeance had its moments. Mm. Yeah. Right, do we have any other news? Have we have we hit it all? I'm good. I'm good too. Then uh, let's let's move on. Do you guys see anything this uh, this two weeks? Oh yeah, I finally, finally saw Rampage. Yes! And how did that go? It was a lot of fun, you know? It was, by definition, a pure popcorn flick. It got, I had The Rock, uh, it had, um, three big scary monsters, uh, a lot of citywide destruction, a few shoutouts to the original series, a lot of gags, uh, Overall, pretty satisfied. Did it did it live up to my hype? And for those who don't know, Jacob was a bit sick when we uh, recorded the last episode, and I told him that uh, Rampage was not only going to cure him of his illness, but it was going to help make him fly. It's that that good. So, did it live up to that, Jacob? Believe the hype. It it did. <laughs> he actually flew here to Philly, so. He's yeah. right next to me while we record this. I mutated and grew some bat wings like the wolf. Uh, of course the Jacob flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually the guy who sees everything, but there really hasn't been any any real horror that has come out. There have, has been some fringy stuff. The closest thing to a horror movie that I've seen, and it just was released today, 
uh, is Bad Samaritan. I don't know if you guys have seen what this one's all about. It basically takes a plot point from Eli Roth's Death Wish, where the valets get their victims from their from the cars that they take. And, uh, well, basically these two valets are running a scam where they uh, they look up people on re- people's registrations or in their, you know, onboard computers and stuff, and they go to their house, they rob them while they're having dinner. And one of them goes to a house and he finds a girl chained and strapped up, basically a, a girl who's a prisoner. So the whole movie is like he, he has to go to the cops and admit that he was breaking into this guy's house. And he has a record and he's from Ireland, so he's afraid he's going to get deported and, you know, all this stuff. But he's like, but I have to save this girl because he couldn't get her out. He, you know, he was going to come back for her anyway. And it, of course, it goes to horrifying places, but it is mm. it's it, it's it's bloated. It's. Uh, but it's got David Tennant in it, right? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, but he oh, it's it, it's pretty bad. It um, mm. ev- everything is on the note, and it's funny because w- w- when it gets to the final boss battle, the guy, and this is kind of what I mean by it's on the nose. The guy explains his plot like a Bond villain. He's all, and here's what is going to happen, and you can do nothing about it. <laughs> no, like, oh, are you James? That is a <laughs> that is a spot on David Tennant impression. <laughs> well, there he is. well, see that upset sets me because I don't have cable and staying in hotels and other people's places, I'm actually being exposed to commercials for the first time in two years at least. (laughs) And I actually saw a commercial for that yesterday and I uh, actually thought about seeing that before we recorded this just so I could have something to talk about. So uh, hearing your thoughts on it makes me go, I made the good decision of just watching Dear White People season two. (laughs) (laughs) The marketing is actually pretty good because it basically tells you what I just told you about their valet, you know, service that that's ripping people off. And I was actually kind of excited for it. But my first clue was they didn't screen it for the press down here. I actually had to go out opening night with my movie pass and see it. And it's uh, about 20 minutes in, I could see why they didn't uh, screen it you know it's just mm. there, there's so much extra padding there's the thing it, it's a cool concept I mean, it would probably make a good 22 minute television episode <laughs> but they mm. stretch it out for an hour 40 so i was about to say it kind of sounds like an episode of like uh you know one of those primetime dramas like law and order or yeah. any of the chicago shows uh which I think the closest thing to horror I've watched since we last spoke was accidentally caught a little bit of a Chicago uh, PD episode, and there was a torture scene, which I was very taken back. I was like, I don't think local PDs are supposed to be allowed to pull some Jack Bauer shit, but... <laughs> another another thing that I saw that is not is not horror at all, but it is uh, it's similar to Tyler Perry's Acrimony. The last 20 minutes is worth watching. It's uh, a movie called King's. With Halle Berry and Daniel Craig, it's it's basically about hmm. the L.A. riots and the events leading up to the L.A. riots of uh, was it ninety one or ninety ninety two I think. And the last twenty minutes when the riots actually going on and these people are out in it, it, it's a more realistic version of what the purge would be if the purge was real. Because you know stuff is burning, there's people looting, there's right. you know people you know, beating the hell out of each other, people jumping in, you know, there, there's one shot where a uh, guy's driving a convertible and one of the rioters jumps on him from behind, you know, and, and basically makes him crash his car. It's, you know, it's pretty horrific, but, um, but it's, it's a good, you know, 
hour and 10 minutes to get to that point. Gotcha. <laughs> so it's one of those things that if you see it on HBO, make a mental note to come back for the last 20 minutes mm. or so. Yeah, I got some actual, uh, like straight up horror that I've seen recently too. Uh, like one that I would highly recommend uh, that I was fortunate enough to catch at a uh, screening last week uh, was uh, Ryuhei Kitamura's uh, Downrange, which is now on Shudder. And uh, it's got a pretty simple plot but it is very edge of your seat it's basically this group of friends are heading to a, another friend's birthday party and they take the back roads in california and their tire goes out and so they go out to change the tire although the reason why their tire went out is because there's like a camouflage sniper across the road who's taking shots at them and so they have to figure out a way to survive and it, it was really outstanding like i it, like it's one of those movies that gives you an adrenaline rush while you watch it it's very subversive of genre because it's basically a slasher movie except uh the slasher has a sniper rifle when I was at the Q&A, they even talked about the inception of the idea. It was like, they were trying to think what was scary. And, you know, like, Jason Voorhees with a machete isn't so scary anymore. But Jason Voorhees with a sniper rifle. Really scary. <laughs> that makes me really excited to go back to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about riots and sniper rifles. <laughs> I know, guys. <laughs> but seriously. yeah, so Downrange is on Shudder. Uh, definitely would recommend that. And uh, back on Tremors, I actually caught the sixth one, uh, Cold Day in Hell, uh, also on Netflix. And yeah, it was pretty good. I mean, it was a cool change of concept, you know, like Graboids in uh, the Arctic and Michael Gross is back and a couple other surprises here and there. Yeah, it's, it's low budget, but uh, they seem to make the most of it and, you know, it's a fun creature feature. It's on Netflix. Was uh, was Jamie Kennedy tolerable yes. in it? Uh, yes. Okay. Oh, well, yeah, he's in it. But yeah, no, he was pretty good. Uh, he has his moments. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, his character is kind of meant to be obnoxious, but it's not really that bad. Yeah, because with him and uh, similar actors like that, like, it seems like they just kind of go too far with it. So, like, he was good in the screen movies, but then everything after that, it was just like, ah, oh, this is too much. Have you guys seen Jamie Kennedy's, that documentary, um, I think it's called Hecklers? No. It's, it's basically him whining about being heckled as a comedian. And he talks to other comedians and he talks to hecklers. But the, the coolest part about it, they, there's a section about... Um, Uwe Boll um, oh, God. challenging all of those critics to boxing matches. So these critics all think they're, I think it was in Spain, they all think they're getting this free trip to Spain. And when he got them in the ring, it was no joke. That dude is a boxer and he beats the crap out of these five movie critics. <laughs> well, that that part I knew about. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it's part of a longer documentary called Raging Bowl. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did take that. But it's, uh, you know, so lesson to all of you movie critics out there if Uwe Boll invites you <laughs> to Spain um, don't, don't go say that I just smack talked Eli Roth and that dude works out so although funny you should mention that because uh, the next challenger for Uwe Boll may be none other than Alex Jones like he uh, Uwe Boll really? uh, called Alex Jones out online I mean I don't I haven't really checked on uh the status of this supposed fight, but you know, I, I would pay good money to see Uwe Bull fight Alex Jones in the ring. I would watch the shit out of that because I don't like either of those men and it would be great <laughs> just to see them duke it out. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was Uwe Bull versus um, who, who, whoever, I forget which studio put out uh, Rampage. I was actually thinking that too when he said Uwe Bull's new challenger. I was thinking they were going to send The Rock to fight him. No, oh no God. He, he's pissed at the uh, studio who made Rampage because he said 
that it's taking away from his trilogy. Oh, it's Warner Brothers. So Uwebel was threatening legal action against Warner Brothers, saying that the movie Rampage, starring The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, was taking away from his trilogy called Rampage, which is utter trash. I think uh, mm. it was back when Netflix had an autoplay feature for like a hot minute, and like I woke, I fell asleep during a movie, and I woke up to the middle of the first one. And I watched two <laughs> seconds and was like, ugh, I'm all set. But, um, it, which I find I, weird because it's not, even Uwe Bull's Rampage is not the first movie to be called Rampage. No. There was one made yeah. in the 80s, yeah. you know, that was scored by Ennio Morricone. So, I mean. And you can't copyright a title. No. So he, I mean, it's 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 a losing case. But, you know, if he wants to box about it, I'm pretty sure Rampage would send the rock, you know. I'd watch he... the shit out of that, too. <laughs> Yeah, I think we'd know who'd win that one. Uh, any Anything else you guys seen, or are we ready to move on? Well, uh, Avengers Infinity War, although I can't really talk oh, about nope. it. No, we, we cannot uh, talk about that because yeah, because <laughs> Korea hasn't seen it. We'll, we'll talk about Infinity War a little bit. It's not really horror, but it uh, it's definitely something that we can fanboy out on. And I think people... Maybe next week. Just leave it at this. It's really good. You should see it. Well, let's move uh, move on to subgenre of the bye week. What do you got for us, Jacob? All right. Well, uh, because it's May the 4th and May the 4th be with you all always, it, I figured it'd be a great time to talk about space horror. So, of course, the big one is Alien. You know, that's, I think, the quintessential space horror movie, the classic. But um, also a big fan of kind of the Alien mockbustery type movies like uh, Roger Corman's Galaxy of Terror and uh, William Malone's Creature with the great Klaus Kinski. And, um, yeah, just, yeah, and it's always funny to me how, uh, well, just kind of the uh, film equivalent of jumping the shark is when whenever a horror franchise goes into space, especially because it seems to usually fall around the fourth movies, because you got your Leprechaun 4 in space. Which is uh, a genius movie. Leprechaun in space is yes. probably my, well, second favorite, because I like it when he goes to the hood, but yeah. Uh, yes. Well, I like it when he goes back to the hood, because that's when he <laughs> raps. Well, he raps in both. Yeah. But, but anyway, in the fourth one, the Leprechaun does use a lightsaber. Yep. <laughs> so don't forget about that. It's become such a thing. I mean, even John Squires, you know, one of the one of our pals and uh, favorite writers out there for horror, named his uh, original blog Freddy in Space as like a mock to that. But yeah, every fra- oh, a lot of franchises have it. Hellraiser has one. I think it was what yep. the fourth or fourth, fourth one. Bloodlines. I stopped watching after the third. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Jace. We of course got Jason X, which yeah. is personally oh, yeah. my favorite of the horror franchises going to space. It took him ten movies to get to space. Yeah, mm, a little longer <laughs> but, than most. Uh, but I'm still waiting for Jigsaw in space. You know, just having <laughs> some space based. You know, would you like to play a game? If you don't complete this task, you will be sucked out into the vacuum of space through your butthole. You know. <laughs> what about Ghostface in space? Oh, oh, sc- oh, that's when you get super meta with like having a bunch of. No oh, wait, no. Don't go because the alien's going to be in the crate, just like Jamie Kennedy as a cyborg in <laughs> okay. space. And uh, funny you, you mentioned Jason X because uh, I, I was actually thinking about this that uh, before I think I think it was before Jason X there was this sketch on uh, Mad TV called Friday Apollo the Thirteenth where they did a parody of like <laughs> Apollo thirteen but Jason's on the space shuttle and like tries to take out Neil Armstrong. I remember that. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be great. Just I <laughs> honestly. I think that's going to be the next Tremors movie. They they brought them to the Arctic. They're already at number six. I believe. Yeah, right? Five? number six. 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 Number six. So I think Tremors is due to see some 
Space Graboids. There we go, Graboids. Okay, I was about to mispronounce it again, sorry. Sorry, Tremors fans. I'm apologizing to you guys a lot this episode. <laughs> the guy who had a problem with the pronunciation symbiote okay. can't even say Graboids. Graboids. <laughs> I can't. I just keep wanting to say Grabazoids. Yeah. yeah. Someday. I, when I repop in my HD DVD of Tremors, I'll, uh, I'll be able to remember it's Graboids, not Grabazoids. <laughs> yeah, and I was talking about some of the uh, alien ripoffs earlier. Although, um, yeah, Galaxy of Terror is pretty interesting because uh i mean yeah for you know aesthetically it's kind of a alien rip and it even had james cameron as uh like a special effects guy for it but it's really more of a take on um uh forbidden planet which is ironic because forbi- because Corman's Forbidden World is the more blatant alien ripoff. But anyway, um, I have a funny story about a galaxy of terror. Oh, go on, go on. I remember seeing it when I was very young. Oh, and then, um, but I didn't know the name of it. So I actually have kind of spent, and I just discovered maybe a year ago what it actually was. Whenever Aaron Moran died is when I discovered the name of the movie because I went back and I watched it. And I'm like, oh, I have been looking for this freaking movie for like 35 years. Because I remember with, you know, because they, they go to that, that little pyramid thing and they're yeah. going through the tunnels with their back. And, and I remember that vividly. And for a while I was thinking, did I dream that? Did I, did I, was Because it was on late at night on HBO or something. I'm like, maybe I fell asleep and I dreamt it. And I was thinking, okay, if I did dream it, I'd have to write this down because that's, you know, that's my golden ticket. But then I found out it was Galaxy of Terror. So anyway. Funny little story about Galaxy of Terror and me. Your golden ticket was a movie that was already made decades ago. (laughs) Damn it. Back to the drawing board. (laughs) You peaked before you even realized it. I peaked at at age eight. Speaking of Freddy in Space, that that one had Robert Englund in it too before Nightmare on Elm Street. So technically we got Freddy in Space just before he became Freddy. Uh, One of my favorite space genres, subgenres within the space ones is space vampires mario bava of course made a few good ones and of course uh toby hooper's life force you know yeah has, yeah while i have issues with it it's just an all-around fun movie uh life force which uh screen factory just announced that they're re-releasing a brand new steelbook of it and i think the new steelbook is going to include a new transfer oh really yeah yep. it's gonna have a 4k transfer because what? i guess the one that came they came out before was not 4k it might have been 2k they didn't really they weren't really into doing transfers when they first started doing their uh, collector's editions that's more of a of uh, the last couple of years i think they were just yeah i don't know if they had the funds or were just trying to put them out but yeah they're doing brand new transfer it's a uh, the steelbook artwork is awesome they're also doing one for the howling and army of darkness yeah but the thing about the life force one is if you're going to double dip for the transfer you still have to keep your old one because the one that has the making of documentary that one they still don't have the rights to that documentary so that one is out of print and you know goes for like 150 bucks on ebay i don't know if it's actually 150 bucks, but i bought mine for 60 oh i got mine uh like went around the time it first came out so i got lucky i got mine when it was it was on sale at one point at fries for 14.99 and they had four oh. of them and this is right before it went out of print and i'm thinking why the hell didn't i buy all of them okay. See, i i hate these conversations because i got my life force when i was into like all right i'm gonna get all the screen factory collector's editions with their slip covers that's gonna be my, like my one i don't care if i like the movie or not i'm gonna get it and yeah uh that was the most expensive one by far i think i paid double what i usually got with for them with their slip cases and Whew. So, yeah, 
I missed out. But then again, that's what happens when you're late to the party. Yeah, it happens. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Life Force. Uh, yeah, it was one of Hooper's uh, Golden Globus uh, films uh, with Canon. Um, let's see, and... Uh, oh, and yeah, and I always forget, it was co-written by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote yep. Alien. So it, mm-hmm. it's got the pedigree. And... Yeah, and, and even though, like, you know, the whole thing, uh, like, Matilda May is definitely uh, the highlight. Oh, and Patrick Stewart. But, yeah, just, like, there is, it is, like, a real cosmic horror story to it. Because, uh, you know, it's, like, the giant living spaceship and the horrible, like, space vampires thing. Like, I, I, like, I feel it's still a really creepy movie, especially with, like, the uh, subtext for, uh, you know, the vampirism and, I guess, like, STDs and stuff. Yeah, and uh, in terms of more recent space horror movies, um, let's see, uh, there was that movie Life, which I wanted to see, but I never really got the chance. Did either of you guys see that one? Yeah, I think I liked Life more than the average person did. It's basically Alien. Hmm quite honestly if, if, if you watch it you'll recognize the plot it's pretty much alien but it's a lot of fun and, and there, there was at what the, the thing is it's one of those movies where no one is safe you have these huge stars in it and they're cannon fodder pretty much mm-hmm. um but uh it's the buzz at the time bringing us back to venom mm-hmm. is um people thought that it was a venom prequel i mean that was the rumor and it could have gone that way in fact it still wouldn't surprise me if venom starts with the last scene of life honestly oh man but it's i think life suffered from its name they should have called it like space station terror or something you know mutant blob from the from the depths of space (laughs) yeah it doesn't scream horror or suspense but i've heard like you know it's one of those movies where you hear a lot of critics don't like but then when you talk to someone, they're like, it's actually really fun. And I've had it uh, digitally for a while, and I, maybe I should give that one a shot soon. It's worth seeing. You will definitely recognize it as beat for beat alien. Like the opening five minutes uh, or opening ten minutes of Rampage. Yeah. <laughs> the opening mm-hmm. ten minutes of Rampage could have been the last ten minutes of life. Not really. but <laughs> it, it always goes back to Rampage. It always yeah. will. I'll make sure of that. Speaking of taking things back uh, with Toby Hooper, it's kind of kind of interesting because, like, I guess technically he kind of did uh, a sci-fi horror uh, earlier. Well, rather, he was taken off one uh, with The Dark. Oh, that's one of my kinder traumas. I loved The Dark. Oh. Um, he didn't... D- did he actually direct it, though? I think he got uh, removed. Yeah, that, well, that was the thing. He was replaced with John Bud Carlos, but, you know, he, he was originally kind of doing, like, uh, you know, a straight-up horror movie about this um, isolated uh, kid or mutant with psychic powers that was uh, held in prison by his family until like a fire burns down the house and he escapes and starts killing people across the city but then uh, this came out around the same time Star Wars did so then the producers thought oh we gotta make it all sci-fi because that's what the kids are into and so they got into conflict with uh, Toby Hooper about it and, and they had to kick him off and they brought in Carlos and then they added like all this 
crazy stuff about like uh, Casey Kasem as a scientist who says the DNA is from like something not of this earth and they added in all these special effects of instead of people being ripped apart they're being blown up with lasers for some reason he's an alien werewolf who shoots lasers from his eyes yeah pretty yeah. much he's like a Frankenstein's monster from space and for the kids listening Casey Kasem uh, is uh, <laughs> known as the voice of Shaggy from Scooby-Doo the dark I remember <laughs> it was one of those movies when when I was a kid I stumbled upon it um just randomly on like HBO or something late at night and I had to sleep with my parents after watching it because it's scared and when you look back on it in retrospect you're like it's not really that scary but you know when you're like a seven-year-old kid it's it's pretty scary I think I actually watched it twice and had to sleep with my parents both times <laughs> they're like all oh, again <laughs> well this is actually a perfect segue into our topic of the week which is uh, horror movies that legitimately scared us or uh, mm-hmm. had a lasting effect on us. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to touch upon were uh, movies that scared us as a child or like a, a horror movie that really got to us. And it could be from our childhood or from not, but even if it's not horror, just something that like really stuck. So as James was talking about with the dark, you know, sometimes you catch even just a glimpse or two and you're just like, fuck this noise. I know... Uh, Poltergeist 3 was that movie when I was a kid. Uh, just that one scene where she's running through the parking lot. Um, I think it's the the cousin uh, to the little girl. She's running through the parking lot and just whoop, disappears into the ground. Terrified the shit out of me uh, when I was a kid. The first thing I can remember basically scaring the crap out of me, and I must have been probably three or four. Um, it was one of my earliest memories. It was, it was on TV. It was Sesame street. And what it is, is there is a segment on Sesame street with a hand. Have you seen it? You gotta be more specific. It's just a hand. And it says, you know, I'm a hand. I can wave. I can count. I can snap my fingers. And, stuff. and then at one point it says, I can be scary. And it makes a claw. And that used to it was to the point where whenever i'd be watching because sesame street they'll recycle their their bits right when i i'd be watching sesame street and if i saw that come on i would either change the channel or look away because i did not want to see that hand turn into a claw because it was so scary to me Mm. and then when labyrinth came out it just amplified that with the helping (laughs) hands is that correct i Uh, already had a thing for hands we're helping hands (laughs) Scary, scary, scary hands. After that, uh, it was Large Marge in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yeah. That, um, because you're sitting here, you're watching Pee-wee, and all of a sudden, and it looked like this. Uh, It's it's a terrifying moment, and I don't think I'm alone. I think, and and the other one from kind of the same era, it may have actually been a little bit before, but Twilight Zone, the movie. Yes, yes, the opening, The the opening scene where they're, you know, let the midnight spent, you know, they're driving, and then they start talking, do you want to see something really scary? It's Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> no. This is really scary. Yeah. No. Yeah. And they weren't kidding. You want to see something really scary? You know, and then he, and then he rah, turns in. Oh, terrifying. Terrifying. Yeah. But anyway, those, and I think I already told you guys about, about tentacles, the opening scene of tentacles. Mm-hmm. Those are the, are the moments that haunted my childhood. I won't say they traumatized me, although the hand from Sesame Street kind of did. But, but uh, I mean, now the Twilight Zone one, I loved it. It was, it scared me. It wasn't, it, it wasn't something I avoided. You know, every time I'd watch it, I'd be like, "Oh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes, yeah!" You know, and and it would get me every time. But I would love it. So I think that might be where mm. I, where where my 
enjoyment of being scared came from was that opening scene of Twilight Zone mm. movie. And I can relate to that. Twilight Zone, the movie, had that effect on me as a child too because it would always be on TV and I would always catch different segments of it. And the Spielberg tale, like if you catch it in on that, you get taken in by it and it's like, oh, this really sentimental, really beautiful story, which, uh, uh, you know, we'll get into how what happened when that movie was made at a later time probably. But um, then you get to stuff like, uh, I believe, Joe Dante's. Uh, segment mm-hmm. with the kid with it's the a mental good life. powers. It's a good life. That was uh, just the just how the family would react around the kid, just being like, "No, he, he they don't need to go to that place." It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. But George Miller's, I've rewatched Twilight Zone the movie recently, and George Miller's segment of the man on the uh, with the man on the plane with John Lithgow. Holy shit! Yeah. Did he? That was like so pure George Miller. Like it was probably the most George Miller uh, <laughs> thing that has been made that doesn't have a talking pig or take place in a post-apocalyptic environment because he just went insane with some of those cuts and some some of those techniques even threw in the bulging eyes from the first Mad Max into there and I was blown away. One of my favorite uh, TV bits from the last 20, it might have even been longer than 20 years ago, but um, did you guys guys watch Third Rock from the Sun with John Lithgow on it? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, William Shatner played the big head and at the end of one of the episodes once they kind of made a joke about it he um the the big head uh arrives by plane yeah they're picking him up at the airport and john lithgow asks him so how was your flight and william shatner goes not good i kept looking out the window and seeing something on the wing of the plane and lithgow goes the same thing happened to me a couple years ago (laughs) (laughs) those are the two guys who played that part that's an amazing callback um (laughs) and as for me um i guess it's kind of two-tiered uh you know just in terms of the general kind of kinder trauma stuff like i was terrified of witches as a child because uh i think basically in the uh childhood food train you know like witches are the natural predators of children so naturally i was afraid of witches you know like uh the wicked witch of the west from wizard of oz scared the crap out of me as a as a kid well also you're uh, from new england so that's just naturally in our blood to be terrified of witches oh yeah you stay out of the woods stay out of the woods (laughs) and um uh yeah and plus uh you know like i was only 10 when the blair witch project came out so yeah witches were really scary during my youth uh you know on, on many levels and also like uh, same to you guys, you know, like I caught something uh, when I was way too young to have seen it. Uh, Hellbound Hellraiser 2, like I think I must have watched it on the Sci-Fi Channel or something when I was like five, and it scared the living hell out of me and like, I, yeah, like I had to sleep in my parents' bedroom for a while and like try and deal with that. Uh, it was it was that Dr. Chenard guy, not Pinhead, who scared me. Like he had you know, like the snake hands and like he was attached to that giant, uh, like demon tendril thing and he'd like <laughs> yeah just uh i recommend amputation and it just that booming voice like yeah just really freaked me out as a kid and uh i think the, the other big one too i caught uh chuck russell's the blob on tv when i was fairly young and that bit where like it sucks that guy down the drain really freaked me out because then I was afraid that the blob would like try and get me while I was like in the bath or like while I'm brushing my teeth and like suck me down the drain that that mess you up what about um more more modern stuff that has really affected you like that like away from kids what has uh what what is what has messed you up as an adult what movies oh 
I got an easy answer to that one. Uh, uh, Panos Cosmatos' Beyond the Black Rainbow. Like, uh, I, like, even before I saw the actual movie, the trailer alone was like, uh, like, uh, really disturbed me. Uh, like it was that, that crazy tech score and like, uh, just un, undiscernible, um, story and, and just uh, the aesthetic like just everything about it really messed with me and uh when i finally did get the chance to see it at uh the uh brattle theater in harvard square like me and my friends decided to go check it out we just figured you know it'd be kind of a crazy sci-fi horror movie but also the the other factor here uh was that i had a head cold at the time so i was on cold medicine so i was in kind of an altered state myself and we sat front row center and it was just a total mind melter and it really messed with my head and um it was such a genuinely terrifying movie too like that the the scene where elena the psychic girl is like escaping and she runs into uh that horrible straight-jacketed mutant uh like when it roars at her like a woman in the audience behind me actually screamed and fell out of her seat swear to god and there's something about it it's just you know like it's kind of a because it has kind of that Rorschach uh, test plot where like you can you kind of have to fill in the blanks with your own imagination and the stuff you come up with is very disturbing and yeah just it, it is still probably one of the scariest movies to me of uh, the 2010s it just really got to me at a very deep level for me, uh, definitely as a kid, uh, there's two movies that truly stand out. The first, and this wasn't even a kid. I was a, I was a teenager, so I was very much so into my, I'm watching horror, an on-stop phase. And it was funny because, like, it was around that time that my folks were saying, like, oh, you, our son watches a lot of bloody movies where people are getting murdered a lot. Is there something wrong with him, maybe? You know, every parent of a, of a horror fan reaches that point at some point. Um, but it was funny because the movie that terrified me the most as a teenager, at least was legend of hell house, which hmm. is very subtle with it. And that's what got me was it's a haunted house movie where a lot of the stuff was noises, noises from afar, noises from another room. And I grew up in a log house in the woods where it gets real quiet at night to the point where even if your windows aren't open, you can hear stuff going on in the woods. And we, in New Hampshire, we have fisher cats and those things sound like screaming uh, babies at night. So when you hear a fisher, it's kind of terrifying. So just the little things of like, is there like you just hear a noise and it's like, whoa, is that the house settling or is that someone in the house? Because you don't know anyone could be wandering through the woods. So Legend of Hell House fucked me up real bad as a teenager. But I would say the movie that terrified me the most and it did for a good portion of my life and it stems from childhood is ghost <laughs> i have been wanting to hear this story let's do it yes do go on so as you all know the most uh, i i did I, well i don't know if everyone knows i actually did write an article about this it was one of my first uh, i horror articles about how ghost was the most terrifying movie for me uh ghost if you for those who don't know is a i think it was early 90s late 80s uh romance movie starring demi moore Whoopi Goldberg and my personal hero Patrick Swayze and it's about a man who dies you know uh, but dies but doesn't go to heaven instead has to solve his murder and there's the famous clay scene where <laughs> you know he you know they're very sexually making a pot um, <laughs> to unchained melody 
Right. Oh God. Uh, but the thing is, is that <laughs> bringing it back, he, he's sweating. He's sweating <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, but the thing about that movie is, is that it deals a lot with the afterlife, and so they show like someone going to hell, heaven, but they also show a lot of people going to hell. And when people go to hell, it fucked me up as a child because when a bad guy dies, they stand over their body and they always look really shocked. And then you start hearing these noises where it sounds like. You hear goats go and like a bunch of like drum beat, and it's just like these really terrifying noises as these shadows just drag them off into the dark. And the first time I watched Ghost as a child, I was actually in Catholic school being taught by nuns. Okay. And let me tell you something. <laughs> nuns love telling children like old school nuns love telling children they're gonna go to hell and when you're a little piece of shit like i was with adhd i got told it a lot and i didn't believe them until i saw ghosts suddenly i was terrified because as a child and through most of my life even to this day every on occasion i suffer from sleep paralysis which happens when you're Uh, mind is not quite asleep but not quite awake but you still have and this is a theory of course but you still but your body still produced the um chemicals to to allow you to sleep because most of the time when you sleep you don't move because if you moved and react to your dreams you'd be running through walls that's how you get people sleepwalking uh and stuff like that and what can happen with that is that you have the chemicals in your brain that cause you to dream but it can lead to hallucinations because you're not quite awake so a lot of people see shadow people and see these black figures a lot of people view them with red eyes or see them wearing hats so ghost just made it fucking real it not only made it real it amplified it because it would just happen occasionally and i would just mark it off as a as a nightmare but between a fucking patrick swayze movie and these nuns I suddenly all became all too real and most of my childhood and you and again to this day uh, it terrifies the shit out of me. Nowadays, I know that I can wake up, but man, when you're in it in that moment, it's terrifying, which also leads to the most terrifying movie I've seen recently, which was a documentary about sleep paralysis. I remember watching this movie uh, when I was working at a record store. I was in the back of the, uh, it was Amoeba. It's called The Nightmare. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's honestly the most terrifying thing I've seen. And I was in the back of this record store switching cases on CDs, very mindless work, so I'd always watch something, and I decided to watch this documentary about sleep paralysis. And what I witnessed was an hour and a half of other people recounting their tales of this thing that terrified me my entire life. And I knew other people, uh, you know, I looked into it a little bit, I knew other people suffered from it, but holy shit, just them talking about it, I remember stopping switching out cd cases and just trembling and just being filled with i had i ended up going for my like cigarette break early and was just sitting there trembling one of my coworkers came out and i was like i i i i i I don't know i don't know i i'm i feel like i'm a child again i'm terrified and it wasn't even that i was even had one one of those episodes recently but i remember that night going to bed and trying to stay up as late as possible because I just did not want uh, to have an episode induced because of this documentary. So, well, the th- the thing about that about the nightmare is also it, it's done by uh, Rodney Asher, I think, who did uh, Room Two Thirty Seven. Mm-hmm. So it's not 
it's not your typical just documentary, talking head documentary. It no. He's got these, the people who are talking about their waking nightmares, and then what you're seeing is basically a dramatization of it. So I can see how that would be triggering to somebody who has lived through it, because it's not just... You know, it's it's not just like like a you know that's incredible you know in search of kind of s- sterile documentary thing. I mean, it, it's an emotional pull. Well, it's and it's not even the fact that they would dramatize it. It was the fact that like the cameras would pull, would move away from the person talking. They would show the crew. They would show like while this is going on that like the shadow man, as they kept referring to them, is just outside of it. And it was stuff like that that and. That just uh, even talking about it right now, I'm shaking a little bit. <laughs> like fuck that! It's a great movie. It's a, it's honestly a fantastic film. Like holy shit, is it well made? But like, god damn, did it terrify me as a tw- mid twenties, you know, uh, person? It, yeah, sorry, I'm stuttering now <laughs> because <laughs> of it. Just thinking about it. You're you're talking about um. When you were talking about ghosts and hell and all that stuff, um, it made me remember another one from my childhood that that really got me. Another moment more like it. Do you guys remember the black hole? Disney's yeah, the black hole? yeah, yeah. And you know how they end up basically at the end when they go into the black hole, they kind of end up in hell. Yeah. But even before that, where the part where the crew of the Palomino figure out what happened, uh, one of them pulls off the face off of what they think is just you know, a robot and it's like an actual person in there that, um, Reinhardt, when it becomes clear that he took the crew from his ship and turned them into these mindless zombies to do his bidding, that just the face of the one that he pulled off really got to me when I was little as well. The more current movies that have scared me, I think I already went over it, uh, during our introduction episode, um, event horizon scared the living hell out of me. And that was mainly because I didn't know a thing about it when I saw it. And that's actually something I've chased since then. I generally don't like to see trailers. I have been literally plugging my ears and closing my eyes whenever the Heredity trailer comes on in a theater because I don't want to see a frame of that movie. And I think it stems from the rush of of having the crap scared out of me by Event Horizon. But even more than that, it's not so much scary as it just disturbed me, kind of probably how Nightmare got to Korea. There's this movie from a few years ago called Megan is Missing. Did mm. you guys see it? I heard about it. it it's kind of like like a fake documentary, found footage kind of thing. And it's basically, the title says it all. It's, it's about a girl named Megan who, well, first her friend gets kidnapped and then she gets kidnapped. About these two girls that get kidnapped. And she's she gets given a gift of a... Uh, of a video camera. So she's videotaping everything that, you know, happens. And then it's also interspliced with like reenactment footage and news reports and all the stuff of the disappearance. And the last 20 minutes is just one unbroken shot because when she gets abducted, the guy also gets her video camera and they find the video camera. They meaning the authorities find the video camera in like a trash can. So, um, they play back the tape that's in it in this documentary, supposedly the last 20 minutes. And it's essentially this little girl begging this dude for her life. And it is gut wrenching. It really does. And I don't even have kids. I can only imagine what it would have been like watching that. If I had a little girl, you know, it, it it really, I mean, it made me feel dirty, but it also, I couldn't get out of my head for like two weeks. I was like, what, what the hell did I just watch? And of course, I've watched it again since then because it's 
once you know what's coming, it's more of a rush. But the first time it was just so it it messed me up. No, I'm with you. Like I had a similar experience with uh, uh, Frank Darabont's The Mist. Like, yeah, that one still gets me. Definitely the first time far more than any rewatches. Like that was the thing. That movie was so powerful the first time around. It took me years before I could rewatch it. I mean, it still holds up. Have you rewatched it with the black and white version, though? It's really good. Haven't done the black and white version, but uh, I would definitely like to try that someday. Oh, yeah. It, it still holds all its punches, but it comes off as more of like a like 50s monster movie type. Um, and the cool thing about The Mist is they actually shot it so that when it did go to black and white, you know, before re-releasing stuff in black and white got cool, they like much like Bad Max, they shot it like lighting wise for black and white, but just did it in color and it, it looks really, really good. Yeah, no, I've been uh, meaning to check check out that version. Like maybe I'll pick up the Blu-ray someday. But yeah, no, that, that one still gets to me. Uh, and yeah, I'm not sure necessarily if, I mean, it's definitely a scary movie, but I feel like it's more of a disturbing movie because it's also one of those types of stories where the humans are the worst monsters. Although I will say, uh, is it cool if I do a spoiler from the movie since it's like 11 years old or... The Mist? Yeah, if, if you haven't seen The Mist, we're spoiling everything. I spoiled the last uh, 20 minutes of Megan is Missing, I'm so... I'm spoiling The Mist here. <laughs> uh... I will say, though, uh, my screening of it back in 07 was pretty memorable because uh, when Ms. Carmody got shot, like the whole studio, the whole audience erupted into applause. This is like a sold out show. It was amazing. <laughs> like just booming applause. Like, thank you. This is what we wanted. Right. Same thing happened at mine. <laughs> I'm sure it happened at a lot of screenings of The Mist. Like, that that was more of a relief than anything. Let's start wrapping up here. Yep. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, our discussion of what scares us. And uh, we have a Facebook page now. Uh, so look up Ion Horror and go like our Facebook page and let us know what scares you. Because we would like to know actually give us recommendations of stuff that could scare us too yes we'd love to hear from the fans so uh we made the facebook group to be a bit more interactive so we're going to be posting on there uh, a bit more and uh we're going to be asking questions who knows maybe you you might be uh inspiring a future episode i know this week's episode was inspired by as we jokingly call our number two fan uh lindsey gant who said that we should talk about ghost (laughs) because well i think i think jacob and i both wanted to hear that story since you alluded to it anyway so right no she said she said that too she said uh um as since we mentioned it in a previous episode she's like you got to do that you got more than more than later so yeah well she's our number two fan who's number one Oh, number one is Timothy Timothy Rawls, oh, editor yeah. in chief of iHorror. Yeah, and speaking of iHorror, actually, we got to give this a shout out. The iHorror Awards are mm-hmm. uh, open for business, so head on over to iHorror.com and vote for your favorite. See, you can watch the videos to see the nominees. I, it, I don't think there's anywhere where you can see the nominees without starting to vote, like like see them in a list. But so you're going to vote anyway. Yeah. yeah. So um, go on over there. You you have a chance to help decide who gets the statue. And the really cool statue. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a great this, statue. <laughs> the statue's so cool. I I hope to one day win one. Yeah, it makes me want to make a movie just so I can have one of those. Make a good movie. As as always, our theme song is DMP, Death Metal Pope. Our artwork is Chris Fisher. And of course, we wouldn't be here without Anthony Pernicka, uh, yes. the CEO of iHorror. Thank you, sir, for giving us time for us to talk about our childhood traumatizing moments. Thanks, Anthony. And follow us on Twitter. I am uh, at, at CinemaFirate. That's like verite but firite and jacob is uh i'm at jacob davison underscore that's j at j a c o b d a v i s o n underscore and uh be sure to check out the uh i horror twitter handle which is just at high horror news and i'm of course jonathan korea my handle is uh korean barbecue spelled c-o-r-r-e-i-a and bbq or you can get a hold of any of us at our new facebook page uh, the Eye on Horror Facebook page. So come on over there. It's only got like 40 likes right now. So you can say that you were in on the ground floor if you head over there right now and like it. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I'm James J. Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. And I'm Jonathan Correa. Keep your eye on horror. <laughs>